The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus, with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on The Shepherd, fighting a bit of a bug. So if you hear my voice crack, it's not the line. (laughs) It's something else. I don't know what it is, but whatever that is, we'll work through it and we'll make it through the day here. On the line with me is a, a man that I met several months back. He has become part of the team for Mark Radio, and his name is Scott Miller. He is a media professional for many years. Lots of experience, which we're going to be hearing about, including leading an entire network, a large national network with Christian programming. And so that's pretty exciting. He's also uh, been himself behind a microphone plenty of times, started off in radio. So it's with great honor that I welcome, I get to spend this time with this man. I'm just blessed to have Scott Miller here on the program. Welcome, my friend. Well, welcome, Mike, and I appreciate you powering through. There's nothing like uh, waking up with a little bit of allergies uh, to get your day started. And if I may, Mike, uh, I don't know if if I'm allowed to do so, so I I will seek forgiveness when I say happy birthday, my friend, who's not only working, not only working on a day he doesn't feel 100%, but working on your birthday, that just speaks to the heart you have for the shepherd and for the show. So thank you for having me on. Well, it is my honor. And uh, when you get to be my age, it's just another day, man. That's, that's all (laughs) that is to it. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that I'm here for this day for another day. And I, I count all these days at this point on like, okay, that's another blessing. Thank you, God. So uh, man, man, it's really great. I know that you make your home, although right now, we were planning on being together for crying out loud for breakfast this morning and then in the studio as it is I'm in my home studio and you're there in our our building but your uh, your home is actually in the big D right yeah i'm in the dallas uh, fort worth area uh, arlington specifically of course you know us texans we like to brag on our state probably um you know to an obnoxious level uh, but I was joking with one of our colleagues earlier this week, you know, the series The Chosen yes. is shot. Uh, it's actually produced 30 minutes from my house. And and my joke, you know, amongst friends is when, when the producers of The Chosen was looking for a place that reminded them of the Holy Land, they chose <laughs> Texas. <laughs> well, I think people who live there do feel like it's uh, their slice of heaven for sure. It, it's really nice. I, of course, you know my son lives there, and I get to take uh, a trip usually uh, at least once a year to that area. And, oh, I've been in Arlington, too, going down and watching the Texas Rangers play. That's a lot of fun. It is, yeah. it's uh, Arlington's, uh, of course, known for our sports. Uh, the Rangers have been there for, I guess, since 72, and then the Cowboys uh, play there as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's a fun place. Um, uh, my wife grew up in Arlington, so it's home for her. We have both of our moms nearby that we can check in on. Uh, raised my family there. I still have one one daughter in high school, one 
is off in college. So we we love Arlington. Uh, but you know what? I, I think the thing that makes it enjoyable for me uh, is we're so, you know, when you have a major airport, I can be anywhere in the lower 48 for lunch meeting. So it works out well. Yeah, yeah. That uh, is a nice little airport that they have nearby there. <laughs> DFW <laughs> will serve any anyone's purpose. And, you know, speaking of that, uh, that uh, Cowboy Stadium that they built, it's too bad they could have made that a little fancy. You know what I mean? It's, you know, why did they have to, what? it's just, it's like, you know, couldn't they have made it a little bit bigger or what? No, seriously, right. that thing is massive. I, I, I think they've got a, a media screen on the inside of that thing. It's the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is it's uh, locally, we call it Jerry world. Of course, uh, Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, but, um, they actually announced, uh, the Cowboys did, that they're renovating that stadium. Can you believe it's Wait now, a minute, what? I know. It's now, you know, it's been, it's a little over 10 years, so they're renovating it. But primarily because the World Cup is coming there in a few years. So I think they're doing some upgrades, uh, technical upgrades uh, to the stadium. So, you know, that's life, right? It's it's always evolving, always changing. Um I'm like you. It felt like they just built it yesterday. Yeah, but, uh, it seems yeah. like it's like their second year in there, but 10 years already, man. And I do remember an odd thing that happened. I don't know if it was a kick. It had to be a kick. But didn't a football sta- uh, football strike that media screen the first year they yes. were there? Yeah, they actually have a rule uh, in the NFL specific to that stadium. And it's very similar to, I think it's what, Tampa. Uh, where they play baseball they have they have unique roles for these indoor stadiums but yeah if uh, football hits the scoreboard uh during a kickoff uh it's basically considered as if it didn't happen they have to kick it again so isn't that something <laughs> yeah a lot of uh, schools have those kinds of things with interference from the ceiling when they have a gym that's got a lower ceiling but I would right. not have ever believed that the size of that stadium, that that would have happened. But those guys can kick that ball pretty well. Man, that's and amazing. I think, I, honestly, I think some of them see it as a dare, like a challenge. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's kind of fun for them. I guess they get to kick it as high as you can, my friend. And there you go. Well, that's really great that you're in town. And I know these are big days for us. Our uh, media company is growing, and of course, you're in place to help us to do that. And I love the fact that not only do we have a guy in you that's got the experience that you have, but you have it in a particular area as well, and that is, as a believer, you have this uh, love for all things that have to do with the Lord, and that's really a blessing as well, Scott, so I'm grateful for you on that. You know, it's... um... I, I, and I think we'll probably get into it a little bit, but I, in, in my twenties, I worked in faith-based media and uh, I just missed it. Like, um, I missed, there's just something about the kingdom impact to, to know at the end of the day, not only did you, uh, get to work in media, get to do what you've been called to do, use the talents that the Lord has given you, but that has kingdom impact. And that's, what's so exciting about this show. And I'm, about the shepherd. So I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of the Mark, uh, Mark media team. Well, welcome aboard my friend. And we're glad to have you. You've written a book and I am enjoying the book. It, it really does. It's almost like 
a novel in terms of reading it because you bring us into your uh, your childhood. A fun little hobby grew into a passion, which grew into a profession. That sometimes happens, but it doesn't happen nearly often enough for a lot of people's mind anyway. You know, my wife always tells people that I'm one of the, the few people that she knows that knew what I wanted to do at a very young age and stuck with it. You know, media, I don't know if I knew that as a kid, but when you look back through that lens as an adult, you realize how God was molding me uh, to really just have this passion for all things media. And it, it would uh, just to give you one kind of somewhat silly example, but I remember as a kid sitting in church, listening to the pastor preach, imagining what it'd be like to have the camera in the back and televising that. Like who does that? Like who, wow. who sits in church thinking that way? But but that's just how God molded me. So um, I I you know I I will confess there was a time I tried to get out of media, and God closed every single door and I got the hint. So here we are. Yeah, <laughs> you know I the church I grew up in actually were one of the few churches in in the area, and I think it's there's it's still being done to this day that some churches will link up on radio and their service is actually broadcast live. And that's right. what happened in our church when I was growing up. So I'm, I'm eight, nine, 10 years old and I'm sitting there and watching them make the sign. And they had a light on the air light that would go on that uh, the pastor would know that we're now not only is he preaching, but he's preaching to the radio. And so I, I grew up with that. I I'm like you, I had no idea that one day I would ever be on the radio as much as I loved it. I wrote an article about a, an experience I had when I was given a tape recorder as a young boy. And I, I started doing interviews with all my grandparents and my mom and dad. And I think That's they awesome. hated it. Honestly, I, I called myself the roving reporter and I would just <laughs> row from chair to chair and, and stick that microphone. My grandfather didn't like it at all, man. He, <laughs> he, he get that thing away from me. That's awesome. Yeah, but, I, I tell a story uh, in the book about, um, so my dad was in the grocery business and he brought home a, a roll of butcher paper and, you know, for arts and crafts. And I turned it into the family newspaper. You know, oh, I print <laughs> I had one subscriber, so thanks, Mom, for uh, subscribing to my newspaper. <laughs> That's it. Well, it, you know, on that subject, I, I hear my voice every now and then do that, so yeah, it's just kind of weird. On that subject, isn't it amazing what God does if if we sit back and have our eyes open to it? The things that He drops in our lives, as I look back, even at those young ages, He put those desires in your heart. And it wasn't just a happenstance. It's not a coincidence. God was molding you and making you into the person that he wanted you to become. And that's that's such a, an act of grace on his part. I just love that. It is. And, and now as a father, you know, I get to have a front row seat to see that with my girls. And, and you wonder, none of us know, you know, as I mentioned, I have one, one daughter in college, one in high school, you know, they talk about what they want to do. We don't know yet, but it's just fun to watch their interest, you know, how you can have two kids and they can be completely different in what they like and what they enjoy. So it is fun to watch. And, you know, that's the author, right? The, um, my life verse, uh, Colossians three twenty three. whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as unto the Lord. 
man, it's, that's who we work for. And he's, he's molding us and creating us. And he's got such a, a better plan than we try to come up with on our own, Mike. That's the reality of it. That really is true. And I think so many believers, you know, when they get saved, they believe that they hear it, they see it, they feel it in their hearts. There's something about what can happen. And I'm sure the enemy is at work in this that makes us kind of get our eyes off of that awareness of his daily, daily uh, kind of walking alongside of us, his presence in our lives. And for believers who take their eyes off, just like Peter, when he took his eyes off the Lord, when he was walking on water, he begins to sink. He begins to be more aware of the waves around him than he was what, what he was actually doing, which was a miracle. And so I think what you're just saying is important for all of our listeners. We really do need to keep our eyes open and look for those telltale signs of the grace of God at work in our lives, putting something there that's there for a purpose. And and I'm so grateful that he did that in you. I'm grateful that your mom bought that subscription to your wax newspaper. (laughs) Man, that is awesome. Now, were your parents believers growing up there in Texas? Yes, my parents uh, were first-generation Christians. Um, and so they, you know, I was blessed that, uh, the youngest of three children. So when I came around, you know, we were going to church every time the doors open. So certainly had, had that influence. Um, we talk about, um, I just want to kind of circle back when you made the comment, how we can miss it sometimes get off track. Um, I remember, um, uh, my wife's, my father-in-law, my wife's dad, um, he was a pastor, um, music minister, and then senior adult, uh, ministry before we lost him to cancer, but he was such a great mentor in my twenties to have him, um, you know, and I remember one day I like Alvy, I'm, I'm, I just wish the Lord would send me an email. Like, can he just send me an email? Let me know what it is I'm supposed to do. And he kind of smiled and he goes, he has, it's called the Bible and you just <laughs> need to read it. <laughs> the original email. <laughs> I'm like touche. You so, know, yeah. we we could actually say that was the original Gmail standing for God. I mean, <laughs> I love it absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, there you have it, folks. We never have any uh, any excuse now. We can check our phone. Well, we can check our email and our Gmail. That's right, and hear what God is doing. So your folks were always having you in church and you got to be one of those people that uh, they used to say when I was a kid, you kind of cut your teeth on the church pew then. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, uh, grew up in the Baptist church. Um, uh, You know, we kind of joke in Texas when we talk about, you know, throughout scripture and they refer to Jesus, like, does anything good come from Nazareth? Well, for two years of my childhood, we lived in Odessa, Texas. So that's West Texas. And it was in Odessa where I accepted Jesus Christ and I began mm. this this walk. And uh, it actually was another church coming door to door, giving out Billy Graham gospel tracts. Isn't that and so what's cool. really cool about the story, I mean, certainly it tells you door to door evangelism does work because they handed me this track and um, at, at age seven, very young age. I remember playing in my room and all of a sudden I didn't care about any of the toys. I just wanted to know what that track said. Um, and that's where it started for me. Years later, Mike, I had the awesome privilege of actually working with the Billy Graham organization. 
um, I, I built a Christian talk station for Sirius and we did a an exclusive deal to air the Billy Graham classics. And I got to to meet the team there in Charlotte and get to know that team. And I thought, isn't this great to meet and work with the organization that had a, a small part, you know, printing out a gospel track that led to uh, led to my salvation. Wow. Who would have believed it? And, you know, some people call that that door-to-door evangelism kind of old and outdated, but you're right. I mean, if if God is in uh, this uh, this process of evangelism, which we know it's his idea, then it's going to happen. Sometimes it's door-to-door. It could be neighbor-to-neighbor. It could be just stopping somebody at the grocery store and talking to them. But we're all told to be his witnesses, and I'm so grateful that that person obeyed the Lord and witnessed to you. I am as well, and I think that's going to be what's great one day when we get to heaven, because I couldn't tell you that person's name. Yeah, right. (laughs) But in heaven, I'll get to meet that person, and uh, and that's going to be exciting. But uh, yeah, I think um, I think we have to be on mission. You know, I know we have a program, Shepherd at Work, that airs on this station, and I love that concept because. Mike, we are all missionaries wherever wherever we're doing. You don't have to work in faith-based media to be kingdom impact. So people that are, are listening, I mean, you're driving home from your job, you know, that's the mission field. That's whatever, right. whatever you're doing, you know, you got to be on mission. That's right. We call it marketplace ministry, and that's what uh, we believe. And I think that every person, I, I think that's a misnomer that so many people have suffered from that they have to be in full-time pastorate or some sort of missionary in order to do the will of the Lord, and that is just not the case. And I'm so grateful for people like you that are putting the word out there, and you're, you've made a career in the media, and now you're kind of blending that in the ministry aspects of Mark Media, which I am so grateful. We'll be talking more about some of that in just a moment. My guest is Scott Miller. He is now the the chief revenue officer for our company. We couldn't be happier to have this guy on board. We'll hear more from Scott in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. I'm with my friend Scott Miller today. We had planned on doing this in the Shepherd Studios. And again, I apologize for a little raspy voice, but uh, just in the abundance of caution, and in times like these, uh, we want to share the love of God, not any viruses. So <laughs> I, I arranged to be able to do this from my home studio, and and Scott was uh, gracious to roll with the punches, and so that's why we're doing this one this way. Uh, you know, uh, Scott, you've written a book, and I know that there are few people 
that ever, in comparison, let's say, to the amount of people that feel like they should write a book, very few do. And you were one that actually followed through on that. Tell us about your book. Yeah, so the the book is Media Matters, uh, the subtitle, How to Leverage the Media to Grow Your Business. Um, So the book itself is written really for the business owner, the entrepreneur, who understands that media is powerful, but, but may not know how to unlock the power. And so really the book goes chapter by chapter on each section of media. So for example, I talk about the written media and what I wanted to do, Mike, was uh, to, first of all, education is something that I love teaching. I, anything I learn, I wanna share it with somebody. And so to me, this was just a way to, to kind of share what I've been blessed to learn from so many great people in the media business. Um, one of whom you had on your show recently, Ron Harris. Yes. My mentor. Oh my goodness. And so when you learn from these people, um, I just wanted to share it. So, so there's a whole chapter on like written media and how you can use, you know, I, I make an argument, media never dies. Like sometimes you'll hear, you know, oh, newspapers are dead. No, they're not. They just reinvent themselves. Um, same with radio or television or pick any medium you want. So that's that's really what the purpose of the book is. And it, it really gets down to how media is shifting and understanding the knowledge so that if you are a business owner, you're not wasting the resources that God has given you. Right. You're spending your marketing dollars wisely. You know, I, uh, I heard years ago a little saying about the importance of marketing. They said if uh, for the person, the business owner that just was convinced that he could not afford to advertise, one day when he decided to sell his business, that's when he advertised. And and that's a sad thing that people wait until they're trying to and they think, well, why didn't I think about this earlier? <laughs> why, right. why, why didn't I take advantage of an earlier effort? Uh, it's funny to see that. Yeah, it's like uh, the famous quote uh, from Henry Ford, uh, who said, you know, you know, stopping your marketing or stopping your advertising to try to save money is like stopping a clock to save time. Uh, It doesn't really work. (laughs) It doesn't work. That's right. Now, now you had mentioned that you uh, wrote this book again, sitting down to write a book is in itself an arduous undertaking and especially, I've seen your book, I'm reading it. It's wonderful, it's over 200 pages. This is not something that you just set on an afternoon. And after reading some of the chapters in this book, I can tell you that there was a little bit of uh, study and research that went into the writing of this book. Tell me how that all happened. Yeah, the process started, uh, my publisher uh, had reached out to me, uh, Tom Freiling. Filing Publishing. He does a lot of faith-based uh, books, um, and he reached out to me um, via LinkedIn and said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And uh, and the answer was yes, It's um, which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment. The book that I want to write is not this one. There's another one coming. So, uh, But uh, on the process, when you write about media and you write about education, uh, you want it to be accurate. So I was very blessed um, during this project. I had an assistant uh, who worked with me, uh, Julia Grubb. And Julia 
was a graduate of University of Texas as a journalism major. Wow. Like you can't be more blessed than that. That's so, right. Um, so I have to give her a lot of credit um, because I would hand her like, okay, I'm going to write on these topics. This is what I need you to research on. So she did a lot of the legwork. Um, I did some research as well, but she did a lot of legwork for me so that when I would sit down to write, and I'm a very systematic thinker in how I process things. So I had my outline, you know, talked it over with the publisher, talked it over with uh, with Julia, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to write a. And and by the way, this is not normal. This is this is my odd brain how it works. But I wanted to write a chapter a week. I started in late August of uh, 2021, and I didn't want to be sitting there at Christmas worried about a book deadline. So I would sit down and, um, you know, wake up early on a Friday morning. Fridays were my days to write and I had all of the research. I would get up in the morning, have my quiet time, cup of coffee. Now let's, let's pause there. What yeah. hour did you get up to have your coffee? <laughs> I, I am an early riser and I started to get up, um, for this project and I don't do this every day, but for this project, I would wake up at, at like three, three thirty in the morning. Um, get that hot cup of coffee, get in the word. And that was like priority number one for me, which is what I do every day. But I wanted to do that. And, and then just would sit down and I really, you know, to God is all the glory for a project like this, because once you get in that writing flow, um, it just, it just started to kind of flow. And then I would take a break, you know, a mental break about seven o'clock or so get breakfast and, and then kind of get back at it. So that was the process. Um, I took a week off, um, middle of the, uh, the book, it just fell and it fell on my wife's birthday. So I took that week off, but other than that, just kind of wrote it, you know, 13 weeks. And, um, in fact, the publisher was rather surprised when it was already, the, the first manuscript was already done. And then it went through probably about three or four, uh, rounds of editing. And I can guarantee you this, Mike, there's probably a typo somewhere in there. That's just how that works. But Well, um, I haven't found one yet, so that's good. <laughs> I, I, I have yeah. a knack for finding those, by the way. So well, You'll have to let me know. I'm sure it's in there. But no, it's, <laughs> it's it was a great process, uh, very uh, fulfilling for me. I like to write, um, so that, that certainly helped. But um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I always wanted to write a book, but um, at the time, the company I was working for, we, we helped a lot of businesses with their marketing needs. And I found that the biggest disconnect between uh, our prospect, our prospective clients was always education. And so really the goal in this was not to sell a million books. Um, we did make it to number one on the Amazon list um, for the podcasting category of all things is where we, uh, hit number one uh, for a couple of weeks on Amazon, which was fun, but that was congratulations. Yeah, it was, uh, but, but the goal was just really a resource for people. And so I really, anyone who reads it, I want them to walk away with, even if it's just one nugget that they learn like, wow, that'll help me. To me, that's what it's about. I love it. And I think that the media, this whole thing with the media, I mean, you're, you're doing all of this and why this book is so important for any person that's interested. You don't have to have a career in the media to want to know more about it and, and how it has worked and the history of it. 
Again, it reads so well. It reads like a novel, and it is very informative reading. So I'm I'm growing. I'm learning from from this uh, this work that you've done. And again, that's just uh, it blesses me. I like that uh, strategic plan that you had, and that you work that plan. And really, you know, you think about taking little bite size to do a big job. That's what you did. You broke it down yeah. by the week. And then suddenly it's a very doable thing. Even your publisher is surprised. <laughs> it was fun. I, I mentioned it's not the book I thought I would write. Um, the book I want to write one day, maybe Mike, you and I can work on it together because I'm sure you've got uh, a even larger novel uh, that you can write. But on all the stories of how God has led me and blessed me, um, but that may be one I just write for my children and future grandchildren. Yeah. I don't know who else would want to read it, but that's the book I still want to write one day. And I, I think the reason I have it set down to even start that is I think, okay, I don't think God's done with that story yet. So anyway, but yeah. uh, I do enjoy writing. It's a fun process. Well, that is a, a great reason to write for the future of your family down the line. Uh, someone recently encouraged me to do that. I am, I just have to confess, I'm one of those guys that uh, feel like I'm supposed to do it and yet haven't done it yet. And so I do write, as you know, a, a weekly column, and I have enough chapters already done in uh, the the writing that I've done to uh, turn that. I've, I've actually had one publisher look at it and say, yeah, we could use this. So I need to do that. It's just a matter of getting that done and uh, doing that start. I think that every one of us have a testimony in our lives that our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, they won't know otherwise. They won't know unless it's written down. They won't have that benefit and how sad it would be to have all of the experience that you have in growing up with your stories with your dad, the, the early days of tinkering, they just, those are details that would be so appreciated later on down the line. And uh, if we don't have a book, yeah, it's not going to be there, right? And I'll tell you something else that I uh, mentor years ago encouraged me to do that I've been doing for over 10 years now is I journal daily my prayers. So I have all of these journals that uh, I would never publish this, by the way, Mike, because it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's everything uh, yeah. from, you know, confession of sin to struggles I'm having. But it's interesting because my my youngest has already said, you know, uh, I want that one day. Like, I want that. Like, she desires to to know what her dad was going through. And I thought, you know what? Absolutely. You can have that one day. So. It, it, it's kind of interesting. So in a way, I guess I am writing the book from that standpoint because I journal, you know, how God answers prayers and all the things I'm going through. So even if you don't write a book and start to journal your prayers and see how God is working in your life, it's, it's very powerful. You know, I think about that. Uh, the Puritans, as a pastor, we studied the Puritans for a good season and reading people like Jeremiah Burroughs or Thomas Watson. Uh, a lot of what these books are that uh, were turned into books by Banner of Trust and that they were basically just journals. They were basically what you're talking about, or they might've been letters uh, just like what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. Uh, he wrote those, right. those words were originally to a group of people and they become more circular letters. 
uh, that that may well be. One day, who knows, three or four generations down the line, your letters that you never wanted to publish might be published, my friend. <laughs> well, and uh, what, what my children will discover, um, I pray, what they'll discover is, you know, dad was not perfect, but he sought the Lord every single day. And they will definitely discover that, that, that dad didn't know how to spell because there's no... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's no proof reading the handwritten journal. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, unless they, some people I know, that would be lost forever anyway because they can't even read their own handwriting, you know. So <laughs> but, there are some days that it's that way for sure. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just marvel at all of that, Scott, and I'm grateful. I think what you, uh, one of the things that you've said that I just want to highlight for a moment and the importance thereof is a daily time, a daily commitment to getting up and praying and to think that you've been able to not just do that and not just read the word, although both of those things are so important, but to turn around and write out what it is that you're hearing. I I think back to the story uh, in Esther when the king had one of his chronicles brought out to read. He couldn't sleep. So what does he do? He, He reads from his own diary, basically from the chronicles of, of the king. And that's when he found out about Mordecai. And so it is really an amazing thing that's been given to us for just thousands of years of history that we should take advantage of. And I, I just think that's a marvelous thing. So minimally, we need to have that quiet time in the Lord every morning, right? We do. And um, my wife and I were coming up on 22 years of marriage. Um, the most impactful thing that we ever did as a couple was when we made the decision. And I'll tell you, Mike, it wasn't when we first got married. Um, I went through a season for about eight years uh, when I got to college and first married where I wasn't regularly going to church. And it took a friend in the best working at KCBI Christian Radio in Dallas. Oh, yeah. I'm in the production room one day. And I'll just call him out by name because he's such a good friend. But Dennis Page walks in and he looks at me, Mike, and he said, Scott, you you can't wait for your wife to do your job. Now, I'm sitting in the production room mm-hmm. at work wondering, what are you talking about? Like, my wife doesn't even come up here. What are you talking about? And, he, and our oldest is Caitlin. He said, if you ever want Caitlin to know Jesus, you have to lead your family. So he was, was a good friend to be able to talk with you like that. He was. It was so impactful that went home is around Christmas. I went home and I told my wife, I said, and starting in in January, we're going to read the Bible together. We're going to we're going to pray together. And it wasn't easy at first. Um, you talk about spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't want you doing that. That's right. But the most impactful thing in my entire life was making that decision every day to walk with Jesus. Wow. I'm inspired just hearing this freshly, and there are so many tools that we have in this day and age to do that. Let's face it, you can have a Bible on every device if you want to have it on a device, on your phone, you can have it on your tablet, your iPad, you can have it on your computer naturally, and then the study helps that are out there, all you have to do is just type in a commentary. There's so many things that we can do, but it's sad how oftentimes I've caught in my my own life, man, where I'll choose other things that I I could be doing 
when I should be doing that. And that's, that's something that we have to work at. And if you hadn't made that commitment back in December before you started that in January, it wouldn't have happened, would it? That's right. No, and it is a daily commitment. Um, you know, daily we are to take up our cross and follow him. And it is something. And I'll tell you, there were seasons. Um, I used to read the Bible cover to cover every year. And then all of a sudden that became a checklist and it became mm-hmm. more of a source of pride and I had to recheck it. Okay. I got to change it up. And so now I'm, you know, it's probably going to take me eight years to get to the Bible. Cause I'm reading it. You know, I just finished Luke and started Luke in November, you know, just kind of going through it slowly. So you know, listen, what works for me may not work for you. Uh, but the point is, is to have something every day where you just seek him. And uh, and that's just been the biggest impact to everything. <laughs> I agree completely. We all need it. And it will help us more than we can even think or imagine. My guest is Scott Miller. I'll be back with him for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. My guest today is an author. He has worked behind the scenes as well as in front of the microphone for many years in broadcasting. His uh, background in radio came Somewhat from his dad that, uh, tell us real quick the story. Your dad, what, he owned a TV shop or something? What was that? No, no, he was, um, uh, dad was in the grocery business, but he would have oh, that's radio stations. Yeah. yeah. He'd have radio stations come and do, do live remotes. And, um, that always just, I was just drawn to that. It was fascinating. Um, uh, there was one story where, you know, radio used to have, um, you remember this, uh, Mike used to have the uh, old Marty units Yes, and you had a STL signaling back to the station and, and there was a thunderstorm lightning around and the DJ's like, Hey, can you hold this? Probably shouldn't have been holding a metal no. storm, <laughs> you know, things that we did back in the eighties. Oh my can't goodness. Do today. But, uh, no, that's where, and then dad would go to the, to the radio station and record a commercial spot for his grocery store. And, and the DJs called him one take Miller. He'd walk in read it once and walk out, which is, you know, that's not the norm when you're dealing with people who, uh, who, you know, are not professional in radio. So I think that's where, you know, the, the bug for radio started for me. You know, I don't think that's normal or actual expected even among professionals to be that way. I, I know a lot of them are anything but a one taker. But that's really cool that your dad mirrored that and you're, you're watching all of that happen. And he, uh, he's just suddenly uh, passing on to you something that becomes more than just an interest. It becomes a lifetime. That is so great. And your initial experiences, how young were you when you got behind a radio microphone for the first time? So when I was uh, 18, getting ready to go off to college is when I really knew media is what I wanted to do. And and by the way, my dad's advice to me was son, whatever you do, don't get in the grocery business. So I'll, I'll just, I'll let you be the judge of that. He just, 
you know, it's, it's very hard work uh, for those who are in the retail grocery business. But I went off to college, went to Howard Payne University. It's a small uh, Baptist college in, in Texas. And I started in August of 1996. Now, to give the listeners some perspective, the Telecommunications Act of 96 had just passed, which allowed station owners to own more stations in the marketplace. So there was massive consolidation going on. Yeah, It's when you started hearing, you know, more what we call voice tracking, where the DJ's not actually there, uh, they're in another market. And so thousands of jobs are disappearing the same year I decided, hey, I want to do radio. (laughs) So there was part of me, honestly, in college, I thought this will be a fun job for about five years and then I'll go get a real job. And so that's, I don't know what, 27, 28 years (laughs) later, I'm still in media. So that's great. Voice tracking, it's uh, it, it it really has changed the whole scope. And you talked about that deregulation aspect of the FCC. Uh, that changed everything too, because there. When I began in radio back in the early seventies, every radio station, if they were going to be on the air, they had to have an operator, a real live human being sitting there, and that human being had to be licensed. For crying out loud, you had to go through the process of getting a, a pretty extensive uh, amount of study to go into this license. Uh, your third class ticket, radio and telegraph ticket and uh, my goodness that was a job but yeah the deregulation happens and now uh, you know you have today where a lot of people thought that uh, am radio stations were going to go by the wayside this fellow named rush limbaugh came around and uh kind of right. breathed, breathed a whole a new existence into a lot of am radio stations right yeah it goes back to what we said earlier media never dies it just reinvents itself and um and certainly AM radio uh, plays a very powerful role, um, not only politically, but, you know, Christian talk, you know, that's on AM radio stations. It's an encouragement to a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where I got started. Um, But uh, just to back up, what really sparked my interest in getting into radio, I wanted to do sports play-by-play. And I thought I was going to be the next, you know, uh, Frank Fallon, who, for those who don't know, he was the voice. I grew up in the Waco, Texas area. He was the voice of Baylor University for uh, over 40 years. Great, great voice. And I and I thought, and that guy gets paid to go to games? That's a cool job. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, go forward five years. I'm a senior. Uh, got married my senior year in college. So I've got a wife. And I realized at the time there was only 113 Division One colleges. I think there are more today. That means there's only 113 of those jobs. And most of them were occupied by uh, men who didn't want to retire. So I thought, I, you know, I have a greater chance to be an actor in Hollywood than this. So I need to pick <laughs> a different path. And I got into news. I did that for a while. I was news director for a cluster of stations. Um, and then I got into to programming, um, which I know you want to talk about the serious channel, but but that's why I got into into radio in the first place was to do sports. I did, by the way, I did sports on the side for a little over a decade calling high school games. Isn't but, that something? What did you yeah. like most about that? You know, I um I, I just the Football is, 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 was the sport I enjoyed the most. I mean, I called all the different, different sport, but just 
I guess the you never knew how the game was going to, to go from the first whistle to the last one. Um, but I tell you, I was always really, my thing is like, I, I, again, early in my career, I was taught every time you open the microphone, you're putting your name on it and it needs to be excellent. And so, I mean, I was probably not your typical high school. Pro- I mean, we would spend four hours prepping before we even did the game, you know, doing the homework and, I enjoyed it, but I, I don't miss it. And I think it's because I enjoy my Friday nights at home with my family. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Mike Rideout, who up in Gainesville yeah. does that. He's just so good yeah. at doing that play-by-play. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. and that's right. There's These type of college Division One jobs are usually held by people who have a long history and a storied career. I think of Mick Hubert, who retired just uh, a couple of years ago from uh, Gainesville. He was the UF announcer for a long time. And they almost always have one or two phrases, just like your guy at Baylor did. Uh, one yeah. of those catchphrases that that's kind of like their signature, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so tell me about Sirius. I know Sirius Radio comes around. Uh, there's this yeah. little, there's this uh, broadcaster named Howard Stern that was kind of <laughs> taking the media world by storm and was kind of an outrageous personality. And they had this new thing, this new development of satellite radio, uh, which is still to this day in somewhat, I believe, in uh, still reinventing itself in, in a lot of ways. But, yeah, so... Go ahead yeah, and tell us is, that story. Yeah, this is before Sirius and XM uh, merged. Uh, they were two separate entities. And uh, you mentioned Howard Stern. My, my joke used to be I got the job because of Howard Stern, which obviously <laughs> not not direct. But what happened is uh, Sirius, had, had they signed this big contract with Howard Stern. He was launching in January of 05. And some attorney realized that we don't have a Christian talk station. This is not, this is not good. We need to have some balance. So uh, the company that I work for, um, they got the contract. They had a TV network Um, in the interview process. They said, we're TV guys. Um, We don't know radio. We need your help. But I want to back up for just a moment because it was in a season of my life. I I got uh, released at KCBI, they had budget cuts. It's a non non-com station, and they had budget cuts. And that's the moment when I decided I'm done with media. And this is what we think, right? In our minds. Like yeah. we this is my plan. And I tried everything. I tried every job imaginable I applied for. Um, and God kept closing all the doors. And one day there was a, a classified in the newspaper uh, there in Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Star Telegram. To throw the newspaper, you know, deliver papers seven days a week, four hours, four hours a day, early morning hours. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was like twenty-eight thousand a year. And I thought I could pay the mortgage off of that, and because it's in the morning, I can get something else in the afternoon. So an icy day in North Texas, and we're famous in Texas. We don't know how to drive on ice, right? Right. But I got in my truck and I drove over to apply for this job. Now my wife had gone into work that day. She worked for an attorney at the time. And I drove over there and I walked in and the guy says, what are you doing here? So I'm here to apply for the job to deliver newspapers. He said, you must really want this job. And I thought at that moment, Mike, I had him because I said, well, listen, I figure if I get this job, I'm going to be driving in all sorts of conditions. And so I was like, 
and he looked impressed. And he handed me the application. I filled it out. Never heard from them. But I got home, and my wife, you know, she said, call me when you get home. The roads are bad. I just want to make sure you get home safely. And I called her, and she said, I've got to fax this cartoon. And this tells you how long ago this was, right? You <laughs> fax. That's good. But she goes, i got to fax you this cartoon. And it's like, what? She goes, trust me. you got to see this cartoon that was faxed to her office today. So she sends it over, and it's this little boy going out to deliver newspapers. Now, mind you, I had just applied for a job to do this, right? Only it wasn't icy. He was pouring down rain. He puts on his rain hat. He puts on his rain jacket. You see this image of he's just getting drenched with rain. And the boy looks at you. It's cartoon. He looks at you. And the caption on the bottom says, I should have gone into broadcasting. <laughs> there it is. God speaks. And the Holy Spirit was like, do I have your attention now? Yep. And uh, so I'm like, okay, God. Uh, wherever you lead, I'll go. And was within two weeks, I get this call and hey, um, and we mentioned Ron earlier. Hey, we've got this job opening, and Ron Harris recommended you. Are you interested? And I walked in, honestly, having never programmed anything in my life. Uh, that morning, my scripture reading was Moses when God's telling him, This is what I want you to say to Pharaoh. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And God said, Don't worry about it, I'll give you the words. And that was my prayer that morning. Like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Just give me the words. And I'll tell you, we started in January. They had repurposed television on the channel. So we were airing cooking shows on radio. I'll just tell you right now, that's not great radio. That's not good radio. Yeah. <laughs> and by God's grace, uh, we started in you know, January. By the end of May, we had our Monday through Friday schedule completely sold. And by August, our weekend schedule. And, and we built Family Net Radio on Sirius. And man, it was such a joy because, again, it was kingdom impacting. But I'm in my 20s when this happened. And it, it thrust me because we were national. All of a sudden, I'm meeting with national ministries. I'm having coffee with pastors who are asking me advice on how they can expand their show. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> wow. And that has opened the door for you to do what you're doing today. And we're so grateful because when you're at a national perch, like what you were, you do get to meet a lot of people. A lot of the names that our listeners would be familiar with, uh, you are very familiar with them and uh, know them uh, firsthand. And that's pretty exciting, man. We're glad to have you on board. Well, the fun part is, you know, for, for 10 years, I ran a business channel, uh, Biz TV, Biz Talk Radio. So I was out of the faith-based world. And so, you, you know, a decade, you come back, it's like, well, the same friends are still doing the same position. So it's been kind of like homecoming week, uh, getting to to reconnect with a lot of my old friends from from the Christian teaching talk world. I've enjoyed it. Well, And new friends like you, Mike. Well, I've enjoyed getting, getting to know you as well. New old friends. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, my friend, it's been great being with you today and putting up. Thank you for putting up with my voice as uh, froggy as it is. And uh, I'm grateful, even if we didn't get to meet each other face to face for this interview, that we had this time. And we are so excited to have you on board with Mark. Look forward to the many things that God is doing through the Shepherd and our other uh, businesses within Mark Media, like Main Street Daily News. I know you're going to have a, a role to play in all of these. So it's great to have you on board. Mike, I appreciate you. And again, happy birthday, my friend. Thank you so much, Scott. Scott Miller, he is with Mark Media. 
my guests for today. And that's all of our time, friends. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <laughs>